Amos chapter 8, look at verse number 11. Amos is a prophet and he's doing what prophets do. Amos is prophesying. He is telling about something that is going to happen. Behold, he says, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a, fa a famine of thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. And I ask God that what you have sent it to accomplish, it would in fact be accomplished, Lord. You have attached an assignment to your word today, God. And let it, let it be fulfilled. Let that assignment, God, come to fruition, Lord. Speak to us and change us by your word. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. A famine in America? It's hard to imagine. America doesn't really know what a famine looks like. We have had hard times in America. We have had some times of hunger in America. We even had one period of time that was so hard. It's known in our history books now as what? The Great Depression. A decade of years, about the 30s, known as the Great Depression because they were, they were hooping and hollering th throughout the 20s, weren't they? You remember that, Gail? Uh. Oh. Oh. I may never survive this. I don't even know where that came from. Oh, Jesus, forgive me. Your parents and grandparents told you about this, is what I mean. <laughs> I can only pick on Gail like that. Listen, Gail is, is one spry mother, let me just tell you. Grandmother and, and a woman of God, let me just tell you. I, there's no getting out of this, is there? I got, <laughs> I'm breaking out in a sweat. Is it hot in here? Somebody turn on the AC. Oh, Lord. <laughs> it is hot, right? You all are hot, too. Tell me you're hot. Roaring 20s, and things collapse. Great Depression of the 30s. People standing in, in bread lines. People hungry, people thirsty. People without jobs, but still doesn't come close to a famine. How many have been to a third world country and truly seen the plight of the hungry? Let me see your hand. I was saved in 1982. Radically saved. Let me just throw in one little adjective here. I'm telling you, I was radically saved. I want to tell everybody about Jesus. I still do. I, I'd take a little bit of that radical right now, though. You know what I mean? I'll be honest. I need a little radical in me. So do you. Three years in, I'm just on fire. We're singing. We're evangelizing. We're telling people about Jesus. My aunt gets a hold of me. Aunt Norma. She's my favorite aunt. Don't tell all my other aunts that, but... <laughs> she says, 
Steve, my church is taking a missions trip to Haiti, and I feel like you're supposed to go. I want you to go, and I'll pay for the trip, pay for everything. Well, she twisted my arm. What am I going to do? <laughs> she paid for everything, Pete, for me to go to Haiti. And I tell you what, it was a culture shock for me. I was not prepared at all to see and smell and taste all that I saw and smelled and tasted that, that trip. The summer of 1985 blew my mind. And I found out later that Haiti is one of the poorest countries in the world. But I saw poverty, poverty like I've just never seen. We had several teams that made up the whole team. We had a music team that was part of the services and evangelistic work. We had a medical team, a dental team. We had a construction team. My cousin, Ronnie, was on the construction part. And they would go out into these villages and put walls on a school or a roof. Or we were digging a well, I remember. And I'll, I'll never forget when the water came, that clean water. And it just poured over the director. Wow. Unbelievable. My cousin had spent a few days there. And one little boy in particular had kind of attached himself to Ronnie. Ronnie's having lunch. And he's about halfway through. He ate half of his sandwich. And this little boy is just, just hanging on, on uh, Ronnie's every move and Ronnie's every word and gesture. And Ronnie just can't get this boy out of his eye, out of his heart, out of his mind. And he just hands him the half of his sandwich that he hadn't eaten. Now. I thought in my mind, when I get there, we're taking toys, we're taking candy, and I'm going to stand and all these kids will come around me and I'll just hand out candy one by one like this. You don't do it like that. You will be mobbed. You will be overrun. They will take you down for a toothbrush, for anything that you give. So the, the, the missionaries and the people in charge, they said, you can't do that. You, it doesn't work like that. It has to be well organized. Well, he just kind of, he broke the rules because this kid got into his heart. Can I switch over, Brent? Can you hear me now? Right up there. All right, let me just stay here. Can you hear me now? He broke the rules. But you just can't hardly help it sometimes. Just wanting to help a, a kid who's starving, hungry. Well, these other boys came around and saw this little boy had, had food. And all of a sudden, it took on a life of its own. And they were going to now overtake this little boy in order to have that sandwich or a bite of that sandwich. And he runs to his home. And his mom gets involved now. Grasping for this, grasping for this. I'm going to stay with the handheld. It's all right. Let me just stay here. The next thing you know, one of the little boys goes in with the mouth to just go ahead and take a bite of the sandwich. 
And as he did, he bit off the finger of the mother. Bit her finger off for a little morsel of food, a, a bite of a sandwich. I was there, folks. I'll never forget it, and I'll never get over it. Famine. Famine. We are spoiled, and we are blessed in the United States of America. We have become the envy of the world, really. But let me tell you something. Things can change. Egypt was the crown jewel, after all. Very successful in building things that had never been built before. Living on a level that no other country was living on. And everybody looked to Egypt. But God spoke a word. You will have success. You will have prosperity. You will be in plenty for seven years. But then the next seven years, there will be hunger. There will be devastation. And a famine will come to the land. And we know because we believe in the Word of God and the Bible that what God prophesied actually happened. But thanks be to God that there will always be a man of God or a woman of God or a person of God. God will always have a people. He has always had a people and He will always have a person. He will always have a people. God raised up Joseph in that day and gave him inspiration from heaven and gave him wisdom from another place. Gave him a plan. Here's what we are to do during the time of plenty. We are to, to house and store and so on. And during the time of famine, Egypt went right on. And in fact, they were able to bless other nations and other people would come to this place. Things could change for America. But the famine that I want to preach to you about and speak to you on for just a few minutes, it's not that kind of famine. The famine of the text today is a little different. The famine is for the Word of God. How many have your Bible? Let me see it here today. I want you to hold it up all over this building. Look at the Bibles. Look at the Bible. Here we have it leather bound. We have it in King James and New King James and NIV and the Message and the Amplified and you name it. Put that hymnal down. Come on now. Don't. I saw that. Nice try. We have it on tablets and phones. How many have their, your electronic Bible with you? I thought so. I saw a lot of Bibles on the phone. Don't go playing Angry Birds while I'm trying to preach here today. God get them. How many have more than one Bible? Let me ask this question. How many have more than two Bibles? How many have more than five Bibles? I have a whole shelf of Bibles. We're spoiled. We have abundance in the United States of America of the Word of God. And we're just... Some churches... I want to be careful to let you know I'm talking about some churches... They've just become fat babies. We just want to. We want to be fed. Isabella, she she's she's growing. She's feisty right now. If I could pick one word for Isabella, that'd be it right now. She's feisty. I love it, just like her mom. Now I'm gonna get in trouble with Jamie. 
<laughs> it's hot again, right? It's getting hot again. Oh, Lord, help us. So anyhow, she wants to eat. She wants to eat. She wants, she's selfish. She's a baby. We come into church and we're like a, we're like a selfish baby. We want to eat, but we don't want to feed. We don't want to help others. And we, if we're not careful, we'll get to a place where we're trying to tell the cook what to cook and what to serve. Oh, I don't think everybody wants to hear this today, but I believe I'll preach it anyway. God knows what we need, church. God knows what we need. And we need to be eating what God is, is telling the man of God, it so happens to be me, what we're to, what we're to eat, what I'm to serve you. I'm a shepherd and your sheep. And I pray about what I should serve the sheep and what the sheep need to hear. God, what do you want to say to them? And it's not always something that we enjoy necessarily. Sometimes it's just like medicine and we need it. And it goes down deep to the root. It goes down to the bone. It goes down to the core. And it's accomplishing something in us. Amen? May we not become fat babies that just eat the word and don't do anything with it. But I think, folks, that there is a famine coming to America. A famine for the word of God. There's already signs everywhere you look. Signs of indifference in our world. Few churches are growing through evangelism, let's face it. Most church growth today is because one congregant became disgruntled and went over here to another church and many times didn't even tell the people why. I didn't like what the pastor said. I didn't like what, what the uh, head usher did. I, I, it goes on and on and on. I, the music pastor offended me and you name it. Instead of trying to work through, that's how churches are growing. Fat sheep leaving and going to another pasture. There are signs of indifference and a famine coming to America. There's not very many Christians who individually will take God's word into their world. But the challenge comes for us today. That we do all that we possibly could do to prevent starvation of God's word in our world. Have you ever imagined what a famine might look like? A famine for the word of God? You're taking notes, I want you just to jot down a few simple thoughts. First of all, a nation without the Bible is a nation without freedom. John 8.32 says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. What I hold in my hand today and what you hold in your lap today, what sits on your lap today, is the holy, inspired, infallible, 
Word of God. And I believe, and I, I know many, most, the majority in this room, you must believe with me that this is, in fact, the Holy Word of God. And it is truth. It is completely and wholly true. And so the truth, we know the truth. And the truth is what brings us our freedom. The nations that don't have the Bible, they're not free. They may think that they're free, but they're really very, very bound. One of our founding fathers, Horace Greeley, he said, it is impossible to enslave a Bible-reading people. Isn't that good? Completely impossible to enslave a Bible-reading people. No wonder, then, the terrorists, the tyrants of our world, they hate the Bible. There are wars raging around the world right now, country against country, and if you boil the water down, I would dare say that it all goes back to this book. Most of the wars are over this book. Muslim against Christian. Communist against Christian. You see throughout history, wars rage over this book. Must be something to it. Must be something to it. Why all the wars? A few hundred years ago, a group of rebels from the great UK decided we've had enough. And they got in a boat and they crossed over body of water to get to a new land, a land of liberty, a land of freedom, home of the brave, right? They traveled to America. Why? It was all for religious freedom. That's why they broke away. They, they didn't want to have the king and, and their government dictating to them any longer how they worship. So they came to a new land where they could, they could found the whole country on what the Bible says. The United States of America. I want you to look at this flag very closely. Look at every stripe. Look at every star. Look at the red. Look at the white. Look at the blue. See this today. It represents our freedom. But this country and the 50 states that are represented by the stars, the 13 colonies that are represented by the stripes, it was all founded on the Word of God. It was founded on the Bible. They looked to the Word of God on how to live, on how to govern. Our Constitution, our rules for living were all founded on the Word of God. This great land of liberty and freedom. How many have some money on you? Get out any money that you have. A dollar in your pocket, in your wallet, in your... 
you have a, any coins even? Now bring it to me and just set it down here. No, don't do that. I want you to find on every piece of currency, paper or coin, there's something on there. It's a four-word phrase. You know where I'm going? What's it say on your dollar? What's it say on your quarter? What's it say on your penny? It, in God, we trust. Do you know that they have tried without any success, but I believe they will continue to try, and maybe one day they might have success. Who knows? But they've tried to take that off of our currency. This is how we were founded, Richard. And the God that, is, that they're speaking of that is on my $5 bill here today, whether they want to acknowledge it or not, whether they agree with me or not, the God that they're speaking of, the God that our founding fathers were, were speaking of and praying to is our God, the only living God, Jehovah God, Yahweh God. That's the God that is represented on our currency today. They want to take it out. Somebody told me after the first service, there's already some preliminary currency called the Amer Amero or something like this. It's like the euro for America. I don't know that we should be going with the euro uh, pattern right now anyhow, but that's another story for another day. The history of our great nation was founded on the Bible. It brought freedom then. It brings freedom today. It's based on one nation under God. Some are having problems with this phrase in our Pledge of Allegiance. It's, it's, it's ludicrous, folks. But this is where we're going as a nation, sadly. So it's important that we get to the house of God to hear the teaching of God. So it keeps us on target. It keeps us on track. It reminds us of our freedom. Our freedom in this nation and our freedom in Christ. So you must read this word every day. Study this word every day. Live by this word every day. Be diligent and discipled in the word every day. A nation without the Bible is a nation without freedom. A nation without the Bible is a nation without any foundation. Jesus told a story in Matthew chapter 7. What a great storyteller Jesus was. He said in verse number 24, whoever hears these, these words of mine or this sayings, these sayings of mine, Jesus' words, and they do them, whoever hears them and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house upon the rock. The rains came, the, the floods descended, and the winds blew. They beat on the house. But the Bible says it did not fall because it was founded. Somebody say founded. 
founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, he will be like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. The rain descended, the, fl the floods came, the winds blew and beat on the house, and the house fell flat. And great was its fall, the Bible says. So it was when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were amazed at his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority, not as one of the scribes. He taught as one having authority because he was one with authority. be foolish to go and build a house on a foundation that is not stable on sand because sand it shifts if you've ever been to the beach lately you can just watch the sand it'll 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 get higher and it'll get lower according to the tide and the waves come in and, and wash it your footprints will be there one moment and then they're washed away you build a, a castle in the sand the waves come in and the castle's gone. That's how it is. People who hear the word of God but don't apply the word of God, don't receive the word of God, won't accept the word of God. It's foolish and there will be no foundation upon which to stand. The life or the land that is built on the Bible will stand. God's word provides a solid foundation for us. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is shifting and sinking sand. All other ground is shifting sand. When we build on the word of God, church, our lives are going to be able to withstand the winds and the rains that come. And let me tell you something. The winds and the rains are coming. The storms of life will come. They will blow through. What are you going to do? How will you weather the storms? We stand on the word of God. Apart from the Bible, there's no absolutes. That's the problem with America today. Because we've torn out pages that we didn't like and we've, we've ripped off corners that didn't really apply and we've said that there's things in the Old Testament that are outdated and, and they don't even apply to us today and we, we've, we've rearranged the Bible. You can't do that. Then all at once there's no stability. There are no absolutes. And so they start trying to make a new foundation. Start making new rules. Everything becomes relative, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. That's just your viewpoint, they will tell us. That's just how you believe, they'll say. And so then they start making up their own rules in order to justify their way of living. But we have a guide. We have a, 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 a moral compass, if you will. Because let's face it, we'll all get distracted and we'll all get off track from time to time. And we all start going our own way. But we get into the Word of God and the Word of God gets into us. And all at once we are yanked back onto the right path. 
Hallelujah. Oh, yes, Lord. I know I was, I was distracted over here and I, I began to take a few steps in the wrong direction, but God's word got me right back on track. Hallelujah. He let me know where north was, sure enough. He let me know that east was here and west was there and south was there. It is our moral compass and it tells us how we should live and how we should conduct our lives. Somebody shout amen in this place today. The world has no foundation to stand on. Our nation, they have eroded away and picked away and torn away the very foundation upon which she was built. It's time to get back to the Bible. When we neglect the Bible and the Word of God, the reading of the Word of God, the study of the Word of God, it is like we're starving our souls. The results are the same as a famine. A nation without the Bible, finally. It's a nation without faith. You see, the scripture tells us in Romans chapter 10, so then faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. A nation without the Bible is a nation without faith. Or it's a nation with the wrong faith. We see many nations who are religious, but they have not based their religion on a relationship with the only living God. You see, ladies and gentlemen, Muhammad died. And he was buried and he did not rise again. Buddha died. Krishna died. All of these leaders, religious leaders, they died. And they did not rise. But Jesus stretched out his arms on an old wooden tree. He went to Calvary's cross for you and for me. He shed his life's blood so that we might live. He died, he was buried, and he lives today. That's the difference. There's the difference. It's what my Bible says. My Bible says. See, the people that don't believe the Bible, they dismiss it. Because if you ever try to debate with somebody, or somebody wants to argue with you just a little bit, what are you going to say? I think this, I think that. Well, who cares what you think? I mean, who cares what I think? You know what I'm saying. Who cares what we think? Not personal. But when we go to something with all authority, wow, and we can say the Bible says, Bible's been proven throughout time, tested throughout the ages. I mean, think about it. God, in his power and in his love and wisdom, inspired this one that lived in this region and in this era of time to write this portion of the Bible. He inspired this one to write another little portion, a little snippet here, maybe. He, he inspired another one here and another one here, different periods of time, different Uh, uh, sections of the world different regions of the world 
And it's all harmonious. You, you start at the very beginning, Genesis 1-1, and you go all the way to Revelation, and you will see the strong uh, thread of God running through it and the blood of Jesus running through it. All harmonious, all complementing one another. The prophecies that were prophesied and then were, were, they came to pass. Who but God could do this? For me and my house, I've made up my mind. I believe it. I wonder if I have anybody here today that you just say, I've made up my mind and as for me and my house, come on, I believe it. Come on and get your Bible and if you really believe it, I want you back up on your feet here. Come on, all those who'd say, I, I, I've read it, I've heard it, I've been taught it, I've searched it for myself, and I believe it. Hallelujah. I believe it from Genesis all the way to Revelation. I believe the Old Testament and the New Testament. I believe the index and the concordance. I believe the maps. Hallelujah. I believe the leather-bound edition. I believe the King James and the New King James and the NIV. And I believe it if it's on my tablet or if it's on my phone. I believe in the Word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. And with it, we have freedom. With it, we have a foundation. With it, we have faith today. I'm going to pray for you now. We will be celebrating around family and probably a barbecue somewhere with hot dogs and hamburgers. Barbecue beans, I don't know. But I know we'll eat something somewhere. Hopefully you can gather some family around you. Maybe you're going to get fireworks. If you're going to get fireworks, you need to go to the La Palma Christian Center fireworks stand on, La Palma, uh, on Valley View and in between Crescent and La Palma right there. Our youth are raising some money for a missions trip. And let's, if you've got to get fireworks, let's just get them there. But be reminded, folks, that a famine could very well be upon us. A famine for the holy word of God. Take somebody's hand close to you. Hallelujah. Wow. The family of God here joining hands, joining hearts. Various nations and backgrounds and ages and genders, all of us. It's wonderful. We're part of the United States of America, aren't we? Right? It's our country. It's my country. Let's pray that God uses us to do something about this. So here's my, here's my focus. I'm going to pray for America. We are going to pray for America. And then I want to pray for you. So, Father, we lift up this great, great land of freedom. Thank you so much that...
There were some who just said those many hundreds of years ago, I can't take another day of this. I'm not living like this anymore. I'm breaking free from the tyranny. I'm getting in a boat and I'm headed to a new land and to a new place, a place of liberty, a place of freedom, hallelujah, where I will be able to love and serve and worship my God, hallelujah. Thank you, God, for our founding fathers who, who loved you enough and believed in you enough to found this great land and this great nation on your word. We thank you for that, God. But sadly, Lord, over time, situations and individuals have come in and perverted the very foundation that we built this country on. They're trying to change things, Lord, taking the Ten Commandments out of our, out of our court courthouses and taking prayer out of our schools, Lord, wanting to change the, the verbiage even on our currency, God. Tearing away, picking away our very foundation. God, have mercy on the United States of America. Oh God, shed your grace one more time. Let this land see the true light of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, we pray to get together today that you would go to every state, every state in this great union, and from the White House, Lord, all the way down, you would bring conviction. We pray for President Obama and his team that is gathered around him, Lord. Speak to his heart. Speak to his mind. Let him hear your voice. Let him see the light in the name of Jesus for every governor, for every senator, for every congressman or woman, Lord. We lift them up, God. Every mayor, God, and every city representative, Lord. We pray that they would find you, that they would know you, that they would see you, Lord. Turn this great land back to you, God. Now lift your hand. Just lift at least one hand. Lord, I'm praying for all hands that are lifted right now that you would put an anointing on us. An anointing, Lord, to be used of you. Let your word become alive in us, God. May we hide your word. Yes, that we won't sin against you. But also, Lord, that we would house your word, not just hide your word, but we would house your word. And wherever we go, whether it's, whether it's to the workplace or, or whether it's to our neighbors or in our house or to some picnic on this week, God, we would be taking your word, God, and you would bring your word alive in us, God. We would remember scriptures, God, and we would be able to share with confidence. This is what the Bible says. Use us, Lord, as your servant Use us for your purpose, God. And we pray that you would bless this nation once again. Hallelujah. Give me in the key of F. Sing this with me. God bless us. Land that I love.
from the mountains, from the mountains to the prairie, to the oceans. God bless. Yes, Lord. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful, God, for your word that you inspired so long ago, but still so relevant to us today, Father. I pray that each and every one of us, God, would hide that word in our hearts, and Lord, that we may be a nation after you. God, I pray your blessings upon each and every one of us, God, as we celebrate the 4th of July and our independence. God, thank you for our freedom in you. God, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>